Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Well, today we're going to continue on in our series, God Is. And today the, the topic is God Is Holy. And we're going to look at that, that, that idea of, of God's supreme attribute being God is holy, which means we are not, <laughs> okay? You know, the word holy is used many times in many different ways in society. I mean, you hear it spoken of holy, holy smoke, holy mackerel, <laughs> holy moly, holy cow. That person is holier than thou, okay? Or those kids are holy terrors. Of course, that's not anybody in here. I just heard that, you know, during the, during the course of the week. And, you know, sometimes the world takes a word and devalues it and trivializes it and, and, and to the point it almost loses its meaning. And I would suggest to you today that the word holy is like that. Society says holy moly and holy smoke. And God's word says God is holy. And we've got to be careful about that. That as we allow society to take words and, and devalue them, and yet we see God's supreme attribute is his holiness. Over and over and over in God's word, we read about God's holiness. And we should never lose the fact that he is holy. In Revelation 4, 8, it says this. Matter of fact, we just sang about this. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Isaiah 6, 3 says the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. And you notice there as we, as we read those words and we sing those words that, that the writer John and the writer Isaiah did not, did not say, loving, loving, loving is God Almighty. They didn't say powerful, powerful, powerful Lord God Almighty. He is. He didn't say faithful, faithful, faithful God is so faithful. He could have said that. They could have said that, but they didn't say that. And as they gathered around the throne room, and the angels are there, and, and the, 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 the people are there, the believers there, they have one song on their lips, and that is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The word holy is very difficult to define, I found out this week. I mean, it just, it just doesn't make sense. When, when I looked at definitions of holy, it just didn't, nothing seem to fit right there. And, and I think the Bible kind of gives us a little clue about what holy is. Holy is being separate or set apart, if you would. Uh, and we know that God is. We know that God is set apart. We know that God is, is, is sovereign. We know God can do whatever he wants to do. We know he is separate from this universe. Everything in this universe has been created except God. We know he is separate from man. He's separate from angels. He's separate from creation. We know that God is unique and God is special and God is in a category all by himself. But as I looked at those definitions, none, and none of it seemed to tell me who God is as being holy. So I think those are very weak definitions, if you would. But as I began to think about this and pray about this, I thought, how can I illustrate God's holiness? 
Well, you just go straight to the book. And we'll see what, what God's Word says about His holiness. You see, God put the sun in the perfect spot. And the Bible said it gave Him a place to hide the sun at night. That's how holy He is. He spun the planets so, so that they would orbit around the world. It says He hung the stars, millions and millions and millions of stars. And He said He gave names to every one of them. God's holiness says, tells the wind to blow and the rains to fall. God's holiness says, I'm going to tell the oceans how far they can go and they've got to stop and they can't go any further. You see, God is holy. God is supreme. God is omniscient. He tells the grass how to grow. God is holy. He is near to all who call upon Him. He heals the broken heart. He knows when you get up and when you lay down and He knows your every thought. God is holy. And you know, He does. He still loves us even though He knows everything about us. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our help in time of trouble. God is holy. He saves sinners. Did you know that? He is holy. He pardons our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He he. He gives you grace, and He gives you loving kindness, and He gives you compassion. He says, I give my angels uh, guardianship over you to guard your ways, He says. He is holy. He hears our prayers. Holy God hears our prayers. He is my hope. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my sustainer. God is holy. He says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. He is my peace that surpasses all understanding. He is my shepherd. He loves me in spite of my sin. God is holy. No one else can do that. He lights my path. He has ordained my days. He is my friend, my father. He is my future. He gives me hope. He, he knows my past. He carries my burdens. He is God. He is holy. He is unique. There is no category like Him. There is no place that you can put Him. He is the one and only. He is God and He is holy. Never get past the fact that He is holy. Maybe that's not a definition of holy, but I can tell you He is from God's Word. Every one of those things. And if you can't attach holy to that, then you've got an issue with that God is holy and that is how he is holy that's just a partial list of how the holiness of God we also know that God is always an absolute perfect and he's absolute pure did you know that first John 1 5 says it this way it says this is my message we have heard from him as John is writing and I announce this to you that God is light And in Him there is no darkness. Darkness refers to sin. Did you know that? Holiness means there's a total absence or no hint of sin or no evil uh, in God's nature. There is no shadow of sin that can be attached to God. He is holy. He is perfect. He is pure and He is sinless. God's holiness says that His words are holy. His works are holy are holy his ways are holy everything god speaks everything god does everything how he does it is holy god is absolutely holy he is absolutely perfect and there is no sin 
No imperfection, nothing can ever be attached to holy God. God is holy. He is perfect. He is pure. Nothing can be associated with sin to Him. You know, God's holiness sets Him apart. Sets Him apart from every other being and thing in this whole world. And He is absolutely perfect and absolutely holy. We serve a holy, holy God. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever lose sight of that. That He is absolute holy. He is absolute perfect. As I was looking through this message, what impact does holiness have on people? I mean, if He's holy and we worship Him, it has to have an impact on people. And first of all, I went to, the, went to God's Word to see what kind of impact it had on some of God's people. I mean, just the fact that He's holy, does that mean anything to anybody? Does that motivate us to do something? Does that motivate us to change? Well, there's some guys in the Bible that when they came across God's holiness, it was a drastic change in their life. I thought of Moses in Exodus 33, 18. Moses asked God, he says, God, he says, show me your glory, show me your holiness. Moses wanted, wanted to see and have more of God's presence in his life. And because Moses had found favor with God in the sight of God, the Bible says, God said, I will show you my glory. I will show you my, my holiness. But Moses, one thing is you can't look at my face, Moses. But I will reveal my holiness to you. And, Mo- and he said, Moses, I'm going to pass by you. But you can't look at my face. Moses said, okay. God said, you know, Moses, what I'm going to do, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. You've heard that song. And he said, I'm going to put my hand over you, Moses, so that you cannot experience my whole total holiness and my glory. You can't do it. And, and the Bible says that he put him in the cleft and he put his hand over him. And the Bible said the glory and the presence of God passed in front of Moses. And he got just a little bit of glimpse of God's glory. What an awesome, awesome sight that must have been when he sees just a little bit of God's glory and God's holiness. The Bible goes on to tell us that after that experience with God's holiness, Moses came down from the mountain. And if you remember the story in in Exodus 34, he's carrying the second round of the commandments. (laughs) Okay, the first ones have been been broken up, and he's carrying the second ones down. And he gets down to the bottom, and he begins to, to visit with people, and they go, Whoa, Mo, 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 what's wrong with you, Mo? And the Bible says his face just glowed with the reflection of God's holiness. And, it, and his face was such glowing and so, so bright that, that the Bible says they had to put a, a veil over his head. Veil because they couldn't even speak to people because it was like, whoa. You know, I, I've seen some bald guys that, that kind of do that. But, but, but his glow, he was transformed because he had been in the very presence of of God and he glowed so much and his skin reflected God's glory and his holiness that people couldn't even look upon him. And when he spoke to the people they had to cover his head, the Bible says, Exodus thirty four. You see, when he experienced God's holiness, it changed him. It transformed him. And I'm here to tell you today, Christian friend, when you experience God's holiness, it has to transform you too. It has to change you. Do you, you ever meet a stranger 
and you come up to them and, and, and you shake their hand and you immediately, immediately know something's different about that person. You immediately know in your spirit that that person is a believer because there's just something about a Christian. There's just something that, that transflows from, from a Christian's life and there's just a kind of a glow. And I don't know how many times in my life when I, when I speak to somebody that I don't know and the thought comes to me, that guy's a believer, that girl's a believer because there's just something that comes from the Christian and I hope and pray that comes from you too, that when you meet people, they think the same thing. There is something different. That person has been transformed from the inside out because they have experienced holy God. Moses experienced holy God. And I pray that you too will do that. And people will know it. The crowd knew it about Moses. I pray that the crowd knows it about you, that you've been transformed because you've been in the holy presence of holy God. I thought of, of Job, and you know the story of Job. Job, Job, Job. I mean, he, he lost everything, didn't he? I mean, God took everything from him. And for 37 chapters in the book of Job, he and three of his old buddies, who supposedly were his friends, they sat around and talked about it. And they sat around and they, and they criticized God and they criticized Job. And, and they, the three friends sat on their high horse and, and kind of judged everything going down here. And, and God was completely silent for 37 chapters in that book. But in, in chapter 38, God says it's time to speak. And he asked Job a very simple question. He says, Job, where were you when I set the foundation of the world, Job? Where were you when I set all this up, Job? And for the next three chapters, God points Job to experience his majestic power. God points Job to feel the presence of the Lord. And God God, God said, Job, I want you to see the beauty of my holiness. And for the next three chapters, he just, he pointed, God pointed Job to just to right there. And Job, in, 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 in verse 4 of chapter 40, after hearing God and seeing his holiness and what God was trying to get him to know, Job goes, whoa. Whoa. He said, I am so insignificant. I am so unworthy. He said, I'm, I, I, can't, I don't even have any words. I've got to put my hand over my mouth. I don't, can't, I don't get no words because I've experienced God's holiness. And then he says, I repent in dust and in ashes. You see, Job experienced the beauty of God's holiness. And it changed him to the point he couldn't even speak and it changed him to the point that I see your holiness and I see how I am not holy. And God, I repent of that. I repent. I repent of that. God, Job experienced the holiness of God. He realized how unworthy he was to be, even and be in God's presence. He was overwhelmed by God's greatness I thought of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6 what a great story man if you've never read that this is a, this is a great story Isaiah 6 Isaiah is a prophet who, who the world will say was a great man great man great great man and, and, and in Isaiah 6 it talks about God. God, God God gave him a little bit of a vision to be able to look what a vision to be able to look into the throne room of God I mean, read it. It's not me. Isaiah 6. 
he is able to see right into the throne room of God. And he was able to see the, 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 the seraphims, the Bible says, and the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Your glory fills the earth. And he saw that and he witnessed that. And the Bible says he fell on his knees and he said, whoa, woe is me. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I have seen the holiness of God. And I am so unworthy. Wow. You see, he saw himself as he really was. And then the Bible says the angel came, if you remember the story, and the angel picked up a hot, a hot burning coal, and he came and put it on Isaiah's lips. And then he spoke to Isaiah, and he says, Isaiah, your sins are forgiven. Your iniquities have been passed along never to come back to you, Isaiah. You see, he is experiencing the holiness of God. And he understood who, who he was and who God was. And he said, oh, I am so unworthy. I am so unworthy because you're holy and I am not. God then asked Isaiah the question, who will I send? Who will go forth and, and proclaim my word? Who will be my, my mouthpiece to the people of Israel? And you remember what Isaiah said. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Isaiah had never got to that point in his life until he had experienced the holiness of God. And God changed him. And God gave him a mission. And God said, go. Wow. One other one, and I'll move on. I thought of the Apostle Paul. The vilest offender of all vilest offenders. He was a guy that hunted down Christians to put them in jail to make sure that they, they died the next day. I mean, that's who he was. His life story was, I'm going, coming after you as a believer because you are not worthy to live on this earth. And you know the story as this awful, awful guy as he's walking to Damascus to go get the next group, the Bible says a light hit him. The light of God hit him. The holiness of God hit him and changed him forever and forever. And he went from the worst of the worst people that on the face of the earth to the greatest preacher, the greatest evangelist, the greatest writer that this world has ever seen, writing over half of the, of the New Testament. Why did that happen? How, what could take him from such an awful person to the greatest of the great? He understood, came in contact with, he experienced the holiness of God. You see, every one of these men, when they came to the, to the realization of who God is, how holy he is, God changed them, he transformed them, and then he gave them something else to do. Because that's how holy God is seems to work aren't you glad we serve a holy God well what does that mean to you and I we looked at these Old Testament New Testament prophets and it's easy to read about them and go yeah I see that yeah that's cool that's good that all fits but what about us what about you and I what, where, where does the rubber meet the road in our life when, when we come face to face with the holiness of God what impact will that have on your life and on my life. 
Four things real quick, and then I'll be done. Number one says we will see ourselves as we really are. Okay? When we experience God's holiness, we will see ourselves as we really are. Billy Graham told a story uh, about he was going to give a, a national interview. And they were coming to his house. And, and Ruth, his wife, knew about this. So she had about a week to prepare the house. And she scrubbed and she vacuumed and she cleaned and, and she bleached everything and got it all nice and pretty, did all the dusting and, you know, got it spick and span. And on the day of the interview, man, she was excited. Come on to my house, she would say. I mean, my house is as clean, as fit as a fiddle. And Billy Graham said, and when the lights came on, and the lights are so much brighter than normal lights, when the lights of the camera came on, and they were doing the interview, he, Billy said, you know, I can, I can see that cobweb right there. I can see the dust. Ruth, I thought you did that. I thought you cleaned that. And he said, I could see cobwebs. And what I thought was, was clean, a clean house, it wasn't because of the brightness of the light that now was showing in my room. And he said, I could see it all. And I'm here to tell you, so it is for the Christian. Did you know this? When we get closer to the light of God, we will begin to see who we really are as sinners. Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have to confess nothing. I'm doing all right. You know, I'm a, I'm a good old Joe. I'm, I'm a believer. I, I get all that. And why should I ever, why should I ever confess anything? I'm saved. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. And I'm here to tell you, the closer you get to God, the more you're obedient to God, the more you want to know God and have God's presence in your life, the more you want God's light in your life, the more he will reveal your sin to you. He will reveal how unworthy that you really are. He will reveal your sin and your dirt that you have in your life. Just like Billy Graham, he said, I thought it was, my house was clean. And as Christians, we will do the same thing. I think I'm pretty good. But when we draw closer to God and we get within this light and the bright light shines that light on us, we see who we really are. And that is sinners in need of a Savior. Even if we have been born again, even if we are one of His children, guess what? We can still sin. We can still break that fellowship. And as we walk to God and get closer to the light of God, the brighter the light, the dirtier things look. I would urge you, man, to draw close to God so you can really see who you are. So that you can really, really come to him in, conf in confession and clean all that up. God's holiness says, I want you to see who you really are. Second thing, I, real quickly, as we draw closer to God, is we will want to worship him more. When we understand God's holiness, we want to worship him more. Psalm 99.5 says this, Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is God. Psalm 34 says, sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, that's us, and give thanks to his holy name. You know, we, we come on Sunday and we have corporate worship and, and we sing songs and we, we worship him through songs and we worship him through the, through the message and, and, and our presence here. 
But did you know there's more to worship than just that? There's more to worship than just Sunday morning for an hour and ten minutes. You see, worship is, it is our lifestyle. It is our life. It's, it's, it's how, we, how we spend our money. It's how we spend our time. It is worship. We can worship Him at, at the job site. We can worship Him at the ball games. We can worship Him anytime, anywhere, at any time. And, and you, and you want to know something? He wants that. He wants that. You see, six days a week we ought to be worshiping Him and praising Him and drawing closer to Him individually. And then on Sunday we come corporately and we do the very same thing. We're not done worshiping Holy God just on Sunday. It's got to be every day of the week. We read in, in Romans 12, 1, it says, I urge you, brethren, I urge you, Christians, I urge you people, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We are to present ourselves as people of worship, and that pleases holy God. A third thing, real quick, that we must do, is we will desire to be holy when we experience His holiness. We will want to be holy. First Peter 1.15 says this, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Be holy in your behavior. Well, God God is pure, God is perfect, God is sinless. I, I can't be that. So what is he saying? I can't be separate. What is he saying to be holy? Being holy for the Christian means I am going to live a life that is separate from this old world. I'm going to live a life that doesn't buy into the philosophy and the culture of this time. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life and, and not pursue the temporal things of this old world. But I'm going to pursue a lifestyle that is pleasing and, and honoring to holy God. That's talking about being pure. Being pure in our thoughts and our actions and the things that we do. All bring glory to Him. Or do they not? You see, Bible says God is holy, and He says, I want you to be holy. We can't be perfect, but we can be separate from this old world. We can be different from this old world. We can think differently, we can act differently, we can speak differently. Because we have come in contact with God, who is absolutely holy. And the last one, real quick, I want to give you. When we experience God's holiness, we want to be one day, be like Him. We want to be like Him. On Wednesday nights, we've been doing a study, seems like forever, on, on heaven. And I think, I haven't been really told this, but I think every person that's been attending those, those sessions about heaven, I, I, could just, I just feel like they are having more of an anxiousness looking forward to heaven. That they want to be a part of that. They, they know what's going to be going on on the other side. And I think they have no more fear of heaven because they know when they, when they leave this old earth that they will immediately locate themselves in heaven. And as we study that and we, gun, we grow in that knowledge, I can just see that, that they want to be, be there. They're anxiously looking forward. They want to be there because Jesus is there. The Bible says we will see Jesus one of these days and we will be just 
like him. We will have the same kind of glorified body that Jesus had. When he came back and resurrected the kind of body he had, the Bible says, we're going to have that same kind of body. I mean, he could walk through walls. Nobody knew it. Whew, that was a good one. Oh, there he is. Where'd he go? We'll have the same kind of body. See, we will be in heaven. We will be, heaven. We will have, we will be living in a place that itself is perfect. No more sin, no more evil, no more ugliness, no more temptation. The Bible says there's no more death, no pain, no sorrow, no crying. All that stuff has gone away. And one day we will be like Him. If we have experienced God's holiness and if we have accepted Christ, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will be like Him one day. And if we don't, we'll never be just like Him. You've got to understand that. One day, one day we will be gathered around the throne room of God. This is exciting. One day we'll be gathered around the throne room. Revelation 4 and 5, just read it. Okay, it's there. And the Bible says there are myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands of people born again. You and I will be gathered around the throne and we'll be singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Revelation 4, hey, go back. I'm not making that up. I'm not smart enough. One day we'll be like him. One day we'll be in heaven. One day we'll be sitting around the throne. No, no, no. Standing around the throne. Worshiping holy God. And not saying, God, you're, you're, you're a good God. Not saying he's a loving God. Yeah, not faithful. No, no, no. You are holy God. And I bow down before you, God. I worship you in holy reverence. I worship you with holy awe. I worship you with total obedience of my life, Lord. And I bow down before you, Father. I bow down before you because you and you alone are worthy to receive praise and glory. We serve a holy, holy God who is separate from anything this universe has. He is absolutely perfect. We come on Sundays to worship Him. We worship Him with our life every day. Rhonda, as you begin to play, as our invitation comes, I hope you understand that, that who God is in terms of His holiness. I mean, it's impossible for me to give a definition. But when we look at that list of who he is and what he says he is, that no one, no one could do what God does. And if we just allow ourselves to experience his holiness and to accept his holiness in our lives, the Bible says, I'll change you, I will transform you, and I will give you something else to do. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, the invitation has begun as the piano plays. And if you, if you don't understand God's holiness, ask Him to teach you. I mean, I've done that this week. God, teach me about your holiness. Show me about your holiness, God. I want to know. I long to know your holiness, Father. Ask Him for that. Ask Him to show what it really means that God is holy and you are not. As the piano plays, we'll ask you to do business with God.